0: I want to uh, turn your attention tonight. I'm, I'm not going to jump in with some scripture tonight, but uh, if you have a Bible and you want to open it, we'll go there in just a moment. Um, I'm going to try to do a little breakdown tonight of the 15th chapter uh, of the book of Luke. And my subject tonight, um, just to kind of let you know where I'm headed, is a biblical response to lost things a biblical response to lost things. The 15th chapter of Luke is a must understand chapter for any church serious about reaching the lost. It is practically a how-to manual on the subject. Jesus was very clear and very deliberate in teaching his disciples how to reach the lost. And um, I just want to say tonight, before we take a dive into this chapter and grab a hold of some of the biblical sound strategies that we are going to find here, that I am first thankful tonight for a church and a pastor and a people that still believe we must reach the lost. I'm thankful for a recovery ministry that will be launching in just... A few days. I'm thankful, Brother Rice, for an altar training class that finished up last night and has been in progress. I'm thankful for various ministries among the church that are going strong and are gaining momentum, our kid life, our students, men, ladies, women of hope, morning mingle, and many others that I probably overlooked. Forgive me. And Pastor and I have sat down and we have discussed and are formulating a plan to very soon relaunch our small group ministries. And I'm thankful tonight for life and I'm thankful tonight for activity and for vision because in an error or a time when we are so close to the return of our Lord Jesus, so many are so far from His mission that they don't even resemble the early church that was birthed in the book of Acts. Brothers and sisters, tonight, make no mistake about it. We have work to do. We have an assignment. We have a mandate from heaven. And God is just about tired of our excuses. And God is just about tired of our disinterest. And he's just about tired of our programs and our performances and the silliness that many label as church today, most modern day churches today are nothing more than a short gospel concert and a motivational speech. Content to draw the crowd and cash the checks. But listen to me tonight the heart of God has always and forever will beat for the saving of the lost. Jesus was very clear of his mission, Matthew 18 and 11. He said, for the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Luke 9, 56, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. John 3, 17, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might Be saved. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So I simply submit to you tonight anything we do and everything we do must be patterned after Jesus. And if His primary purpose was to reach the lost, then what And where and when would we think ours to be anything different? Now, I didn't come to be mean tonight. That's not me. Y'all know me by now. I just simply came to challenge us and remind us what this thing is really all about, and that is the lost. So tonight, it's time to get on board. It's time to buy in. And it's time to back anything that reaches for the lost because that is now our purpose here. We didn't get the Holy Ghost for any other reason. As Holy Ghost-filled Christians, we are now responsible for the mission of Christ on this earth. And what he came to do, we must be busy making sure it gets done till he returns. Amen? Now, the beauty of that is before he left, he gave a master class on how to deal with the lost. Jesus, in all of his wisdom and in all of his foreknowledge, knew that this was too vital of a task to leave to the imagination of man. He did not want us to get it wrong. He did not want us to fail. He did not want us to flounder around without direction. So one afternoon, he just started preaching. And they brought him over for supper. And it was a house full of Pharisees. And lo and behold, it just so happened to be on the Sabbath. Now, I'm going to be good and keep teaching tonight, but I could sure haul off and preach right there for just a few minutes. Because if the only time you sit down to dine with Jesus is in the house on the Sabbath, you might be a Pharisee. And we said, amen. Luke said, chapter 14, verse 1, you can check me out. When you get time, Luke said they brought him there to watch him. God help us today that our church never becomes a performance hall where we pay for a meal and a show and leave pounding our chest about our time with the master. Come on, somebody. And that is just what they would have done. But an outsider messed it all up. Luke said he was sitting right in front of Jesus and he had something called the dropsy. And I could go into all that could mean and uh, give you a deep lesson on the dropsy tonight, but I'll spare you that and just tell you that this is what you need to know. Dropsy on the outside just looks like swelling. So here's a man that's sitting in front of Jesus at a table. And they see some visible swelling. It's an outward visible sign that something is wrong with him. Not super alarming, just a little bit of swelling on the outside. But don't be fooled because what Jesus knew was on the inside, dropsy is the result of congestive heart failure. So Jesus is sitting around a table with a bunch of self-righteous Bible thumpers willing to ignore the outward signs of an inward issue with a man that could drop dead at any moment. Just tell us some stories, Jesus. Just break that bread again and show us how that thing keeps multiplying. That's such a cool trick. Just keep on hanging with us and laugh with us and pat us on the back so we can leave here and feel good about our time together. But Jesus messed up their plan program and he challenged them with a question. And Luke records what he actually asked. But with your permission tonight, I'm going to tell you what he really asked. While the times were rolling and food was there and the table was set and all was and the conversations was going on Jesus shut it all down with this question may I do a work for him and if you go tell somebody what I preach tonight please don't change my word Because he did not ask, can I do a work for him? Because can is a question of ability. And he was absolutely able to do what he needed to do. But rather he asked, may I? Because may is a question of permission. And because he was a guest. And because he's a gentleman. And because he won't force himself on anyone. He needed permission from the ones hogging up all of his time to do a work for the man that was running out of it and this is a picture of a modern day church service on any given Sunday we're shouting we're praising we're getting a groove on We're high-fiving our shouting, partner. We're going to remember this tomorrow. Girl, this is awesome. Wait till we tell Sally, who goes to the dead church down the street. Woo! It's hot. It's good. It's happening. They're singing my favorite song. We're getting a groove on. Maybe pastor won't even preach today. Woo, it's hot in here. Y'all know. Been in services like that. We high five and talk about what kind of church we have and man this is good and oh everybody needs to be a part of that and then somewhere down the aisle comes someone that's not part of us uh, that might be there for the first time and they walk down the aisle slowly and tears are streaming down their face uh, and their posture is one of defeat uh, and their clothes uh, aren't necessarily church clothes uh, and they don't know our protocols uh, and They don't know our rituals uh, And they don't know what to do Like we know what to do Uh, And they have interrupted our Sunday With Jesus uh, With their need uh, And with their problem And with their issue And Jesus has to stop us And say May I do a work for them Come on somebody And before they could answer He heals the man, and he sends him away. Wait a minute. We're supposed to be trying to keep folk. He sent him away. What? That doesn't even compute. He's here. He can be one of us now. You healed him. You fixed him. Why did you send him away? We needed to get his name. We needed to get him to fill out a connect card. (laughs) We needed to get him plugged in. We needed to get him tithing. We needed to get him... A part of us. We need to see if he's got family. We need to see if we can figure out some more about him. But as quickly as Jesus healed him, he sent him away. Why? I asked the Lord that today as I was preparing for this message. And the Lord said, because the man was not safe there. The Lord spoke to me today, many don't stay because I send them away. He said, tell my people my house has to be safe. They would have ruined his new heart. They would have made it callous and cold. They would have transformed him after their likeness and not after mine. He would have learned to be a table sitter and not a table server." And the Lord said, I never went to that table to sit with them and validate them and endorse their religious spirits. I went to that table to serve, to serve the need that was there and to serve notice on those unconcerned about it and I think tonight God has sent a message to us that are here to stir up our hearts and our spirits to what is about to come among us and to serve notice tonight that our audience with him is always an opportunity for service to those that have need. A transition tonight by telling you this. The Lord said, tell my people, we will all sit down together one day soon. But it will be in heavenly places after we have served together in earthly places. Jesus sent the heal man away. He got him out of the environment. It wasn't the proper place for him at the moment. But notice. Jesus stayed there for a little while longer. And I won't go into all that he preached to them, but he was trying to show them that what they had become was so far from what they were supposed to be doing, he couldn't leave them in that condition. And he closes out chapter 14 with a message on true discipleship. Uh, One that we like it when they skip that one. You know, the one talking about leaving father and mother. Taking up your cross daily. Teaching them to count the cost of true discipleship. To make sure they could walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Because anything less than what he preached that day can't be his disciple. You said we were the salt. Yeah, but if the salt has lost its savor, it's not even fit to be kept. You can't use it for anything. Just throw it out and let men trot over it with their feet. You weren't fit for anything in that condition. And something amazing happened. The sinners and the publicans showed up. And the Pharisees and the scribes started murmuring. (laughs) So you got two different types of people here. You got the sinners and the publicans who know they're rotten and dirty. And you got the publicans and scribes who think they're all that. And the sinners are there with open ears, and the publicans are there with open mouths. Jesus was preaching the truth, drew the sinner, and the truth drew the righteous. Why is that? Because preached truth is the way that the spirit draws men to him. And ye shall know the truth, John 8:32, and the truth shall make you free. John 16:13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Truth preaching will still draw a crowd. <laughs> Thank God for what we heard Sunday morning. Thank God for a pastor who will still call sin, sin. I don't care what others do or what they heap to their itching ears to hear. I want to know the truth because before we can ever deal with lost things, we must let truth deal with us. Anybody remember the woman at the well? She had come there. And Jesus was waiting on her, and they had an encounter. That woman went on to be a great witness for Christ, but it was not until she had a face-to-face with truth. Jesus looked at her and said, You're asking me about worship, and I'm glad you ask. But before you get all holy and sanctified on me, how about you go home and fix some things at your house? You're living in sin, and as long as you are, your worship is going to only be a ritual and never a relationship. In a moment of truth, she left not saying, come learn where to worship, but she left saying, come see a man. Worship stopped being a ritual for her when she confronted it with truth and it became a relationship with a man because truth reveals and truth uncovers and truth exposes. That's why sinners can come. And be moved by our preaching and walk out saying, I could have listened to him for another hour. But church folks can come and hear the same message and leave saying, My pastor was rough today. If you're offended by truth preaching, it's time to find an altar. If you're offended by truth preaching, it's time to find an altar. If you're offended by, I just feel like saying that again. If you're offended by truth preaching, it's time to find an altar because there might be something in there that you need to bring and kill so you can get an understanding again of what this thing is all about. So here we are at the beginning of chapter 15. Jesus has been preaching truth and he is just getting Warmed up, sinners are clamoring to hear, the religious are talking trash, and Jesus preaches still. One is about to be even happier, and the other is about to be even angrier. Amen. Isn't that amazing, the paradox of a church service? Some can leave so blessed and think it's the greatest thing they ever heard, and some leave so offended they never come back. You know how I tell if I'm around somebody that's like Jesus. I got a I got a surefire way, and I'll tell you tonight. I am gonna tell you tonight. I listen to how they talk about the lost. Had a lady one time lost her husband tragically. Came in and wanted to buy a church van in his honor. A desperately needed van at the time as our bus route at the church was exploding. It was picking up dirty little children. Children that walked out of trailers that you wouldn't even let your dog walk into. Children whose parents didn't even know they were leaving because they were still high on meth and crack that they had just smoked. Children that smelled bad, children with runny noses, children with soiled pants, children that we had to feed every time we brought them to church because between us and school, it was the only place they ate. And a lady reeling in heartbreak over the loss of her husband, brought insurance money and said, I want you to buy a new van so these babies can come to the house of the Lord. What she did not know was a few days earlier, an elder had stopped by to see us, and they had stopped to voice their concern about all these bus kids that we were picking up. They're making too much noise. They stink. They don't know how to act, and they're destroying our bus. Who do you think is like Jesus in this example? I'm sorry. I don't celebrate the homosexual that's going to hell in that lifestyle. I weep over it every day. I don't want to put an X on them like some self-righteous folks would do and mark them off. But I want to put a cross before them and preach to them Jesus and give them hope. I don't think the drug user is the problem today. I think it's the drug. Free from the vice. Let See what they can be Jesus said While I have you all here Let me teach you about the lost Because if you want to be like me You have to know how to respond To the lost And the very first thing He introduces them to Is sheep Now I've preached on sheep before And there's a lot to learn about sheep. And I don't have time to teach you about sheep tonight, about how they're very unique, very interesting animals. And I won't go into the debate over their intelligence and whether or not they are dumb or smart. But I will just say this. Matthew 25 teaches that when Jesus sits on the throne of glory, and all the nations gather before him. He's going to divide them into two categories, like sheep and like goats. And on the right hand, he's going to say, which is the category of the sheep, Come unto me, ye blessed of the Lord. So whatever you feel about sheep, I really don't know what their nature is according to science, but according to his word, there's going to come a day when we all going to want to be one. And Jesus starts off chapter 15, verse 4, like this. What man of you... Having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth hither to his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Jesus said one sheep is so important that if I have a hundred of them, I can leave the ninety and nine to go rescue the lonely one that has wandered off. Not only will I go after it, but I will stay until I find it. And when I find it, I'm not going to chastise him. I'm not going to skin him. I'm not going to whip him or teach him a lesson. But I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to celebrate. And I'm going to load him upon my shoulders. And I'm going to carry him back to safety. And when I get back, I'm not going to sneak him back into the herd and keep this rescue secret. No, when I get back with the one that was lost, I'm going to throw a party, and I'm going to celebrate with others. I'm going to show off the sheep and let everybody know he is home, and he is safe. To stop. This seems like too much. This seems like a big deal to go to this extreme over just one lost sheep. But when you view this as an illustration or a parable, and you examine it through a spiritual lens, you will find a great principle, and a great teaching on how we deal with this type of lost thing. In this parable, Jesus used a sheep to illustrate something lost because of ignorance. And things lost through ignorance get the most radical an aggressive recovery program of any that we're going to examine tonight. The lost sheep is the picture of the lost soul away from God and not even aware that it is lost. Jesus is teaching us, when you deal with the lost soul of man, There is no price too great. There is no search too long. There is no effort too much to give in order to recover it. He said, leave the safe ones. They'll be okay for a little while. The church ain't going to fall apart while we start a recovery ministry. The 99 Are still going to know what to do. They know where to go. You've trained them, you've taught them. They will be just fine. In fact, when you get back and you throw a party for the one you have just recovered, they're going to think the party is for them. (laughs) But you hear me, Jesus is preaching. You must not let the lost one go. He doesn't know what they know. He doesn't have the loving shepherd that they have. He's just wandering around. He's lost. He's anxious. He's scared. He's trying to figure things out on his own. He didn't know he should have walked. He shouldn't have walked into those thorn bushes. He didn't know that that plant was poisonous. He didn't know that that water was stagnant and full of parasites. He was just trying to make it the best that he could. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get him and I want you to bring him back into the fold. And if he's too weak when you find him, I don't want you to chastise him. I want you to pick him up and I want you to carry him on your shoulders. And while you're carrying him, I want you to sing and I want you to rejoice and I want you to shout. I don't want you to grumble on your way back. I don't want you to talk about how heavy he is. I don't want you to talk about what this is going to cost me. I don't want you to talk about anything negative, but while you've got him on your shoulders and you're bringing him back to safety, I want him to hear the songs of praise. I want him to recognize that you are happy that he has been found and you are taking to where he belongs. Because how you carry him matters. How you bring him back will determine if he knows this is a safe place to stay. He needs to know this is where he belongs. He needs to feel wanted and comforted and assured. And don't just do it on the journey. When you get home, I want you to sing the more. I want you to bring the neighbors in and the congregation in not the judgmental ones but I want you to get the ones that know how to sing. I want you to know, I want you to get those that know how to give me praise and give me glory because I want you to make an association with the journey back and the destination and you be the best shepherd you can be and he will fall right in and never wander away again. That is is the pattern for reaching a lost soul from the Bible. Leave those that know what to do alone for just a minute. They're going to be fine but go find the one that doesn't even know where he's at and make the journey worth it that when he gets there he knows this is where I belong. Celebrate them when they come in. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter where they come from. Celebrate the fact that They're in the house uh, and they're in the fold. Because Jesus said, while you're celebrating, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to fire up the angels up here. And they're going to start having a party. And they're going to start watching up here in glory. While you party on earth, it's going to be a party in heaven. Why? Because I want them invested. I want them to buy in. Why? Because I'm going to give them charge over thee. To keep thee in the way And if you start to wonder They will bear you up in their hands Before you crush your foot against the stone Friends, when it comes to the soul of a lost man We must have the attitude of Jesus And we must respond according to the scripture We can't just assume they knew better Come on now can't just judge them as devils. Can't just continue in our bliss with our four and no more. We must go after that which is lost and labor till we have one to bring back home. That's a biblical response to the lost soul of man that sheep was lost in ignorance it didn't even know it was lost it was only until it was found and recognized the safety of the fold that it realized this is where I should be you ever seen someone come into the church and say man I never in a million years dreamed I'd be here I thought you folks were crazy. Y'all scare me sometimes. But I remember when I was almost dead. I remember when I drank from that water and I was just about to be gone. That hand that reached down put me on his shoulders. I remember the songs of Zion as it brought me into this place. And then I remembered all the celebration and all of the joy. And now I've got everything I have need of. Even when I think about doing something, something slaps me in my head and said, Are you crazy? What would you ever go back to? What would you ever return to? That's a biblical response. To the lost soul of man. And Jesus taught that in the company of sinners and publicans. The next thing we come to in Luke chapter 15 was the lost coin. It falls into a category all its own. The lost sheep was lost through ignorance. He wandered away, was not in the house, was not in the fold, never had been, just lost. But the coin never left the house, but it was otherwise just as lost. See, the coin represents things that get lost through neglect. It's my understanding tonight through study that the true value of this coin was only attained if it was kept intact with the other nine. In other words, it was a ten-coin set that had great value together but depreciated significantly if it was ever separated or broken apart. Man, I could preach right there. I'd just stay nice and stay on track and stay with time tonight. Some commentaries will tell you that it was the woman's dowry and was her hope for the right husband and the right life and the key to her future. But somehow she has lost one of the coins. Maybe she had them out looking at them and daydreaming and through neglect or mishandling, one fell and rolled out of sight and now to be feared, lost, and the rest deeply impacted. The lost coin represents tonight lost ministries, lost words, lost callings, lost anointings, lost talent, lost giftings. Things lost through neglect. They aren't totally gone, just hidden. They're in the house. They're just misplaced. We don't have to leave to find this coin. We don't have to spend any nights away. don't have to go out into dangerous territory. This coin just needs us to care. This coin just needs us to remember its value. This coin just needs a little house cleaning to recover. To recover this coin, we must first light a candle. Verse 8, if we were to read it, that's what the lady did. She lit a candle. She turned the spiritual lights back on it's symbolic of prayer Bible reading fasting a return to spiritual disciplines that will illuminate our path and give us greater direction as to how we should proceed the next thing she did you'll find is sweep the house she removed the clutter an old-fashioned inventory where we get rid of things we don't need and give God place again in our lives, removing things that have made it too cluttered and made it too full and things can easily get hidden and get lost out of sight. And then she sought diligently She remembered its value, and she didn't stop until it was recovered. We don't turn out the lights till it's found. We don't stop sweeping till it's found. And we simply refuse to live with less than what God has promised us. The lost things in the house are very concerning to God. They are His gifts and His promises to us. And he trusted you enough with it that he even said they come with no take backs. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, the gifts and the calling of God is without repentance. So if you find yourself tonight with anything less than God gave you, it's not because he took anything back. It may be because you need to light a candle, sweep the house, and sweep diligently. And when you find it, celebrate it. See, this is important. That celebrating part's important. <coughs> See, some will sweep the house, and they'll find it, and then they too ashamed that they lost it in the first place. And before long, be right back where we started. When you find it, celebrate it. Don't hide it away because you're ashamed you lost it. It might as well stay lost. But show it off. Remember and rejoice again in its value so you never lose it again. I'm teaching to an adult class tonight. I think we understand what we're talking about with this lost coin in this season of getting ourselves back right with God and 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 renewing our commitments and relationships with him and and spiritual disciplines and things this is a good season to find some things that maybe you thought were lost oh God's up to something great among us let me hurry so I can finish Tonight, And finally, we get to possibly the most famous of the lost things, the lost son, the story of the prodigal. And this one touches us because many of us have prodigals in our families, and we don't know why they won't come home. We search for answers. We wonder how to get them home. We rack our brains, we grieve our spirits, we pray for them, we fast for them. (laughs) Sometimes we offend them (laughs) because we can't help it. We tell them about their life. We want them to come back, and in our honest effort of wanting them to come back, many times we drive them further away. Come on, not where we're at today. Oftentimes doing more damage than the good we intended. But Jesus left a biblical example of how to recover the prodigal, And we don't like it because it takes us being the hero out of the picture. But here's simply the biblical way <clears throat> to recover the prodigal. And this is what you've got to understand. Here's the key how something is lost determines how it must be recovered. <laughs> the sheep was lost ignorantly. So we found it and it didn't even realize it was safe or that it was ever lost in the first place. It's just happy as a lark to be among us. The coin was lost through neglect or mismanagement. So we got busy fixing us. And that allowed us to find it and get back to doing what God had anointed us and gifted us and called us and commissioned us to do. Here's the hardest part of the lost son. He left on his own. He left by choice. He left by his own will, and now he is in a faraway country lost by choice and by will. And the only way to recover him is to keep the house going. To recover the lost son, The house must carry out business as usual till he realizes what he left. You can't give him a sermon every time you see him. You can't preach him back or drag him back. In fact, you can't even go looking for him. You can't tell him what a waste of his life he has made. None of that will ever bring him back. But what you can do, read the rest of that chapter when you get home. But what you can do is keep on being faithful, keep the business of the house going. Don't get up in depression every morning over where he is and where he's at, but get up and feed the calf in anticipation that he is coming back. This is the hardest one, but this is the example that Jesus left. There's more preaching on the prodigal than I could do in a month long series, but this is what I want to encourage you with tonight. I testified a couple of Sunday mornings ago about what what the number 23 meant and God spoke to me that this will be a year of resurrection for CLC because we are determined and we have purposed that the business of this house will continue we're going to go look for the lost we're going to do inventory on ourselves we're going to search and we're going to seek and we're going to be busy about the master's business and he said you tell my people if they'll take care of my business I know where their baby is sitting and I know how to get his attention or her attention and I will bring them back if they will do the work of my house somebody give him praise for his word tonight I've come to tell you tonight, uh, if we'll reach uh, for the lost, uh, if we'll find a place uh, to serve, uh, and there's going to be plenty of opportunities, uh, if we will recover the neglected, uh, God is going to do something this year that is going to blow our spiritual minds. Uh, I know today it's been billed as 21 days, uh, but we ought to make it 365 days of prayer and fasting and consecration. You don't need a 21 day sheet to come out every 21 days. Just keep re-praying that one over and over and over again because if we'll take care of the business of this house God is ready to give us back some things that it looked like the enemy has control of. Come on somebody. I don't know why this isn't moving. Your spirit today but I about shouted in my house when I heard what the Lord said so I'm going to come and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to do what I can do so I can rejoice with those that I have no way of bringing back otherwise we'll take care of the business of the house they will come home in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Does anybody believe that tonight?